you need to work with those who are interested, those members of the community who are not on that council that want to see it thrive, that are there for the city, not for themselves. They're there for the city and want to see it grow into what they want it to become. Welcome in to Like a Man. I'm your host, Miles Nielsen. On today's episode, we have La Liga KC founder Travis Lundell come on and tell us his experience of starting one of Kansas City's most popular recreational soccer leagues. Let's give it a listen. I was part of a recreational soccer when my kids started getting interested in soccer. Obviously, I'm a soccer player. I played in high school and that's where my love of soccer kind of grew is when I played for um, our high school in Utah. And uh, when my kids started playing, we enrolled them in a local community soccer program. And, you know, they asked the parents to be coaches as, as is typical. And I remember they asked, they had, gave me a team of, you know, nine players and it was far too many players to play three-on-three soccer. And they told me the reason was is they couldn't get enough coaches. And they said if they could find another coach, they would give me less players and whatnot. And I saw the problem is that they weren't giving coaches really any resources. And one of the things was the registration fees were not waived. And I thought, well, you know, I'm doing all this work. And there's plenty of parents that are as busy as I am. Why am I paying the same amount as everybody else? And so that was kind of the impetus for me to say, you know what? I think I can do this better. But at that time when I had that thought, it wasn't the right time. I was still in school. And so we moved. I got a job right out of school, moved to Springfield, Missouri. We were just there a year. And when we came back, I told my wife, I was like, hey, this is uh, now or never. Uh, should you think it's okay if I start that league? Because I knew it was going to be a lot of work. And she was on board with it. So I just printed some flyers off, took them to the elementary schools in the area and bought some soccer equipment with my own money. And, you know, it was like maybe I spent $250 on soccer equipment just a bunch of goals and some cones and soccer balls and some jerseys that were blank. And then uh, went to a HOA field and that's where we played. We had about 36 players. So, and that was ages preschool all the way up to, I think I went up to eighth grade. So it was spread thin, very thin. Some teams were playing against each other, the same team every week. And some teams it was just one team in the whole division and they would play each other as a scrimmage every week. So it was just $50 to start. I was like, you know what? I want to make this as affordable as possible. And I know starting off, this is going to be a very rudimentary league. So I wanted to make it attractive in price. So a lot of people joined, a lot of people from my church community joined and some that were not from my church community. And so that was our first season. 
you know, I was the referee of all the games and we built our own website with like Wix, I think it was. And me and Krista just started from there, me and my wife. That was the first season. The following season, it just continued to build on the one thing. So we did get kicked off that field, the HOA field. There was a a parent of the community that was getting a lot of complaints that there were too many cars in the area and we didn't have it scheduled. And so we were like, okay, that's fine. We'll find a new field. So we went to uh, Hodge Park athletic fields. There was nobody there. The grass was super long. I got friends to get mowers down there and cut the fields with me and clear the grass. And it was a lot of work, but we made it happen. And so the last uh, three or four games we were playing at Hodge Park and because I saw nobody going there, I just thought, hey, this is a good place to keep playing. So each season after that, we continued to play at Hodge Park, cutting our own grass because it never got cut and doing our own lines. Eventually, we got painters and striped the fields and it just kept growing. We got a new website that was a sports management website, which made it a lot easier to get registrations going and advertise and coordinate games and um, get information out, communicate with players and coaches. So as it sits now, we have 330 kids playing and we only go up to fifth grade. That's simply because we just didn't have enough interest in the sixth, seventh and eighth graders. So we decided to focus on the younger kids and just for now, focus on that age group and it's been a lot easier just because we can limit the resources that we have to spend on the other division and just focus on the younger divisions. I remember the first season we did it, we'd received a referral and everybody was saying, you got to try out this soccer league. It's the best one in the city. And we went and we were impressed with how organized it was because you do those city leagues like what you're talking about. And a lot of the times they're not as organized as yours was. The HOA, going back to that HOA field, I was thinking it wouldn't be an HOA unless somebody complained about it, right? (laughs) So Yes, and the funny thing about that is that it wasn't even my HOA field. (laughs) Oh, really? (laughs) It was a next door HOA and... They, you know, the lady came and said, hey, did you see the sign? Um, You need to schedule this. And honestly, I'm being honest, I did not see the sign. And I felt bad. And that's why I was like, I'm not going to stir anything. But we used it for as long as we could. It got us started, got us where we needed to go. And it was time to get out of there. (laughs) For my MBA, I took a class on entrepreneurship. And it was saying that bootstrapping is the way you will succeed for sure with starting something. Mm-hmm. And what you were saying with starting out and just winging it, right, with the equipment and the fields and then just slowly building up to it, having your friends come and mow, that's the way you're going to succeed. And it's interesting to see with your case, with your league, how it has succeeded. And to the point where you even do these camps where you have these professional athletes come in 
and teach the kids. Why don't you touch on that and how you started doing that and how you built those relationships? Right. So I like what you said about the bootstrapping because you're basically, when you're starting a business and in this case, a soccer league, I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew what I wanted the end product to look like. I didn't know how to get from A to B. So you just have to go. You just have to do it. And you'll figure it out as you go. And it's the relationships that help you figure it out. So you start talking to people and you get feedback from people. And I worked at Children's Mercy Hospital and I worked with a one of our anesthetists was dating um, Kyle Miller, who was a former soccer player for Sporting KC. And when I found out that she's dating this professional soccer player, I'm like, wow, really? Do you think he would help us with our soccer league? And she was like, absolutely. He would love it. He's such a nice guy. And so I set up a meeting to meet with him and talk about what I wanted. And he was absolutely super helpful, just so kind and so willing to help the league and didn't even ask for anything in return. I told him I was going to pay him because I don't want people to feel like they have to donate, although I do appreciate it. So we just put our heads together and said, hey, let's do this mini camp for kids that just want to go the extra mile. Because when I started the league, I didn't want to make it exorbitant cost, but I wanted to give people an opportunity. If they wanted to pay a little more, they could get a little more out of it. So I started this soccer camp. Kyle Miller originally was involved in that. I helped get that going and is still involved in it. And then you, because you were part of the league, you had somebody move in. I believe Henry Ramirez moved into your ward, your church congregation. And I think you were the one who reached out to him immediately and said, Hey, you need to talk to Travis Lundell. And, uh, you put me in touch with him. And again, this guy, so genuine, so willing to help. And he went above and beyond. So him and Kyle both help with the league. And the cool thing is that Henry is um, currently a professional soccer player for um, the Casey Comets. It's an indoor soccer league. And he's able to, he would donate shirts from the team he would donate soccer balls signed and we would give those out to kids and the kids loved it and still we're still doing things like that he's uh and i'm helping casey comments out by advertising getting people to go there they give the league discounts so that they can go to games and it's it's a really neat relationship so that's been really fun and it does make the league look better because i've got professional soccer players in there it's really good for the kids to see that both Kyle and Henry are really good with kids and the kids look up to him. So it's been really fun to see and really a blessing that I didn't anticipate that came from just having relationships and talking about my league. I agree with you with Kyle and Henry, because when I was coaching my boys league, they were more than willing to you know, whenever we'd go to the camps and stuff like that, just that one-on-one, like how many people can say that they can go to a camp with a professional player that isn't costing them a ton of money, right? Right. It really is unique in that sense. But 
something that comes to my mind too, as you were talking was the challenges of doing this. Why don't you hit on a few of the challenges that you faced in the league and maybe share a couple stories of specifics of having to deal with maybe like the city not working with you. You were saying that lady shutting down that one field leading to another thing. Why don't you share a couple challenges and how you overcame those? One of the major challenges has been the fields themselves. Um, Kansas city parks and rec, nothing against them. I know they have a lot going on. My goal as a local recreational soccer league, I'm, I'm there to support the community. And my goal is to build a relationship with Kansas City Parks and Rec where we are benefiting each other on both sides. So yeah, we've had issues with vandalism, with kind of the fields not being in good shape. One part of that is because of vandalism and it's somewhat out of definitely out of my control and somewhat out of the control of Kansas City Parks and Rec. And then also just the lack of care and attention to the fields. For instance, the mowing. Kids can't play soccer in knee-deep grass. It just doesn't work. And that was one of my main objectives, which sounds kind of weird, but I wanted grass to look good because I've played in leagues where it just doesn't look good and it's it's not as fun to play. And so I would invite friends to come mow. And I was at a church event one day and I started talking about the league for some reason. He's like, what do you do for work? And instead of talking about my real job that I get paid for, I started talking about the soccer league. And that led to a discussion. It turns out he also love soccer and he owns a grass uh, lawn care company and he actually tried to build his own field at one point he had all the plans put together this guy's name is ryan spataro he owns a business called the minty goat which is a the lawn care company and he offered to help mow the lawns so out of this conversation i had no idea where this was going to go and i really didn't know that i was why I was talking about the soccer league is something that I did, but that's the first thing I talked about. Ryan offered up his services to help uh, maintain the fields. And that's been a huge, huge burden that has been lifted off my shoulders because, you know, I was getting tiny little lawnmowers out there. And at one point I even bought a riding lawnmower and took it down to the fields and mowed it myself. And it would take all day. So that's one thing that we've been able to, one obstacle we've been able to overcome is just keeping the grass the appropriate height. But again, we're facing, we're still facing other issues with the fields. We don't get to stay on the same field all season. In spring, we're on one section of the field, the multi-use field. And in the fall, they kick us off to the football fields because the football players take over the multi-use fields because they're bigger. And so we're going back and forth and it, it is causing a problem with efficiency for us. So we're looking at other options and hopefully someday we'll have our own field where we have more control over how it's managed. And uh, But for the meantime, we hope to have a better relationship with Kansas City Parks and Rec where we can work together to solve these problems because there are 
some vandalism problems going on and, and just standard maintenance that we need to deal with. And we currently are dealing with that this season. So, you know, the impression that I've always had specifically with Hodge Park is I remember when we first started doing soccer there and over the years, the evolution of it, you say that you try to benefit the community, but that Hodge Park, they invested in that kids playground there, which became like one of the main attractions of Northern Kansas city. And I did see the pictures of the guys driving all over the fields and all the tire marks and everything, which is frustrating. I may or may not have been a teenager such as that before. (laughs) And I get it. You know, there's no signs posted that say, hey, don't ride your motorcycle on these soccer fields. And there's no goalpost there. You know, they don't see that it's a soccer field. So part of me says, yeah, I understand. But we have now... I've ordered signs so that it's all going to be really clearly posted. Whether or not it's going to work is another question, but we're evolving and I'm really hoping that we form this strong community relationship with Kansas City Parks and Rec because I think that's the best way to run a community or run the city is you have a city, people on the Parks and Rec Committee But you need to work with those who are interested, those members of the community who are not on that council that want to see it thrive, that are there for the city, not for themselves. They're there for the city and want to see it grow into what they want it to become. And yeah, so that's my my vision is that we can form that relationship, but it's going to it's going to take time. Were you buying those signs on your own, out of your own pocket to tell people not to drive? (laughs) Yeah. That reminds me of something I learned recently about Roman politicians back in the day. They would frequently pay stuff out of their own pocket just to be good community members. I'm not saying anything that we're talking about, but you could say generally, you don't see a lot of politicians paying out of their own pocket to fill potholes and stuff like that, right? I think your vision's good and it's pure and clean of getting everybody together like that lawn care company you were saying, the mini goat, jumping in and volunteering and then all those parents. And I'm sure you could get a backing for that. That, That's that's a huge thing and it benefits over 330 families, right? With all those kids. Yeah, and there are thousands of people there on the weekend. You know, there really are. So it there's a lot of people that come and some of them may be seeing this park for the first time. And we're trying to get it to a place where people can come and feel safe and they have bathrooms to use because <laughs> that's also been an issue. Uh-huh. The bathrooms constantly get vandalized so they can't keep them there because they get pushed over, they get run over. I found out that they get blown up and burned. So Really? Yeah. So there's a lot of room for improvement. Um, and I'm really wanting to invest the the league's funds into improving that place if Kansas City Parks and Rec will let me. So and all they gotta do is let you do it. That's all. Yep. So while we're on the topic of thousands of people being there, I remember too, I've I've seen people from other countries to come see this, by the way, and it's quite the attraction. 
And with your league, it's not a competitive league either. It's more recreational, correct? Right. So why did you choose to keep it recreational rather than getting into competitive? Um, The biggest reason is because that was the biggest, I felt, would make the biggest impact. There were plenty of competitive leagues I saw out there. And my focus wanted to be just on the fun of soccer. That's always been where I get the most joy is just playing for fun, not playing for a trophy, not playing to make another guy feel bad about himself, but just playing for fun. So for me, I felt like I could do recreational soccer on a very small budget because there weren't a lot of fees that were required. I mean, as it grew, I realized how much it does cost to run a league and it was more than I thought, but still, even, even that being said, recreational soccer, the nature of it lends itself to being relatively cheap and everything that I do. So for instance, we recycle our jerseys, right? They wear the jerseys for the season and then they give them back at the end of the season. I don't think any other league does that. And some parents, it kind of annoys them. But we do that to save money. And because the point is, we just want to play soccer. But I want it to look professional. I just don't want it to cost what it costs for a lot of kids to play soccer. I don't think it should cost that much. So while we're on this topic... Sports is completely different now than it was when I was a kid. And talking to older people, it's even way more different. Like I had an uncle who used to play football and he was saying in high school, he would stay after school for 45 minutes and then he would go home and milk the cows on his dairy farm. And I don't think any kid could do that today first off because of how long the practices are like for me when I did wrestling we did two a days we did an hour in the morning and then like an hour and a half at night so with your experience with being the owner of a league what do you think the pros and cons are of each competitive leagues and recreational leagues for kids and letting kids do it to help them get really good at it and then letting kids do it just to have fun with it so I think the cons, I'll start with the cons. The cons of having a, a competitive league for me is that it does exclude the kids that can't afford to pay because these leagues are requiring, you know, $6,000 a year if you want to play competitive soccer. And not every family can afford that. And some families can afford it. They just don't want to spend that kind of money on sports. So it excludes some kids from developing and getting to that level where they, you know, some are more natural at soccer and could be very competitive. It excludes those kids. The other con to competitive soccer is the travel and just the time commitment. I mean, I feel like families basically. That's all they're doing is driving to practices, driving to games, and it's all over the place. And so, I mean, if you have 
more than one or two kids, if you want all your kids to play competitive, that's almost an impossibility. So that's another con. Now, obviously, the pros to it is you do get really good training. Um, something that they stress in soccer is the number of touches you get that really dictates how well you're going to be able to play the ball. And the more touches, the better. So to get a kid motivated to do that is very hard if you're not going to practice as much as is required in competitive soccer. I think they practice about three times a week for an hour, an hour and a half, maybe two hours each practice. So you're going to get a lot of touches and you're going to, you're going to develop what you need to develop. Recreational soccer. I don't require my coaches. They're all volunteer. I don't pay them. And I can't expect them to do three practices per week, each practice an hour, an hour and a half long because they're the coach. They make that decision. I know how busy lives are. So, so that's a con for recreational. But again, the con is also the pro. Pro for recreational is that you have more time to do other things, to be a little bit more well-rounded if you want to explore other sports or other activities, other hobbies. And it's a lot less pressure. At least that's how we try to make it. I mean... Every coach is different. Some coaches in recreational soccer get a little too competitive, a little too focused on winning, but that's uh, by and large, that's not the case. So, so that's been my experience and part of the reason that I do recreational is because of that. And I think too, you filled a huge niche by doing recreational because you look at the numbers and I'm with you where parents, they want their kids to have fun, but they don't necessarily want their kid to be a professional athlete either. So I had a coworker who explained it to me pretty good. And he said, these days for competitive sports or academics, you got to make a choice. Are you going to have them do competitive leagues where you're going to invest all this time and money, or are you going to have them just study all day? And so that they can get into a good school. And it's kind of hard because when I was growing up, there was kind of a middle, right? Where you could play sports and do well academically and everything. But to be competitive in both, I guess it's always been that way. But I really think, like, I try to gauge what my kids like to do. I kind of leave it up to them. I don't, I don't want to push them into doing soccer if they don't want to do soccer. Obviously, when I started the league, all my kids did soccer. But again, not competitive. It was not a huge time commitment for them. But now I have one son who plays soccer. And my youngest son has decided he doesn't like soccer. So he does other sports. And my oldest son does just soccer and does other activities you know he's in swing dance and he plays the trombone and you know focuses on other things so so i really think as a parent you just kind of gauge what your kids interests are and i liked what my youngest son said he, he's like dad i just want to he's in third grade and he said i just want to try a bunch of sports and see which one i like the most and so that's what we're letting him do so he's just trying everything Football, basketball, soccer, um, wrestling, and I think that's the way you approach it. 
Is he doing skiing or snowboarding too? He's done skiing and snowboarding. And uh and now he's latched on to snowboarding, but I think he'll still dabble in skiing. So so he's just I like the mindset of trying a bunch of different things because you only have so long before you don't you don't have time to try all those things. But as a mm-hmm. kid, you have time to try everything right now. At least if you're not doing competitive. If you're doing competitive, you don't really have a lot of time to explore other things. You're locked in with competitive. Yep. So what advice do you have? Let's do this two ways. What advice do you have for any parent who's wondering, like let's say a young parent who's wondering, hey, how can I get my kids into sports? What can I do? And then after that, what advice would you give to any entrepreneurs out there who are bootstrapping and doing what you did? Um, yeah, so getting your kids into sports, you know, the first thing if you play any of the sports is to just go back in the backyard and and play those sports with them. I mean, it's that simple. For my kids, I would play basketball, football, baseball with all of them, my girls included, and just gauging their interest. And if they had friends that were interested in sports, they would go play with their friends and play those sports. And I told my kids, you know, if you want to do a sport, you you let me know and we'll, we'll get you into a recreational league to try it out and see how you like it. So that's where we start is just start out playing in the backyard and then when they find an interest, go to a recreational league and, and join that league. And it, it's worked really well. As far as the bootstrapping business starters that want to start their business, the biggest thing is just get started. If you have an idea, if you have a passion for something, don't focus on the money. Focus on what it is you want to achieve and go after it and it will come it will take time don't give up because i've been doing the soccer league since 2016 and i moved from kansas city a couple years ago two years ago so i had the choice to either just give up the league and let it go which i almost did or keep it going. But when I thought about it, I thought, well, this is something I actually really love. I'm really passionate about it. And so I found a way to make it work. I hired a manager and I'm continuing to do things that allow me to make the league what I want it to be and help it grow while I'm here in Colorado Springs. So the biggest thing for me is If you really are passionate about something, focus on that as your reward. Don't focus on the money aspect. And if you need the money, it will come. For me, this this league is not a a moneymaker. I actually decided last year to not pay myself at all. I talked to my wife about it and said, you know what? If this league succeeds, that will be my reward. And I know that sounds cheesy, (laughs) but it is honestly the truth. I love seeing these kids play soccer. I love seeing something that I created 
benefit so many people. And that really is more than than money can offer. So it makes me happy. And I just want everything that we get from the league to go back into making it better. And in fact, that's a policy that the ski resort has. That's the one that we go to. It's Loveland Ski Resort here in Colorado. The policy that the owner had, who one of the lifts is named after, it's called Chet's Dream. So this guy, he said, if we make a dollar, we're putting that dollar back into the to the resort to make it better for our patrons. And I think that's a great way to to build a great business. I love that because people always dream of making money to do what with it? It'd be to create a soccer league, right? Right. And exactly. and to benefit all these people like it. Like um, Andrew Carnegie, when he passed away, he gave all of his money to building libraries to help people read. And that's why you're doing it. I love that. I love that vision. Yeah. Well, Travis, thanks for joining me. It was fun talking to you. Yeah, you too, Miles. I love that you're doing this podcast. I love I love everything that you're trying to do with it. And I'm learning from it as you invite these awesome people on and Uh, so many different insights. So I appreciate your work on that. Men, Travis Lundell filled a huge need in Kansas City, and his league is very popular. And like we were talking, there were hundreds of people that are there on the weekends to watch their children and their grandchildren play soccer. Let's try to be more like Travis. Let's try to see needs that need to be filled and go out there and just do it and stop talking about it. So... Now we are going to end this one by listening to a Sporting KC chant. 